Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, who is it that must be on their A game in 2023 to give the Raiders a shot at success? We'll talk about that plus a whole lot more coming up on Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast from May 24th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders. Win. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just win. Your team Just every win. day. Just win. Your win is a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Welcome here, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Lockdown Raiders Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest edition of the show. Of course, if you're checking us out on YouTube, as many thanks to my man Ari. Does a great job each and every day making sure we're up on YouTube. We definitely appreciate him. And of course, we appreciate you. But if you want to check out Ari, you can on Twitter at Ari Produces. And if you want to hit me up, get something in on the show at your boy Q254. If you want to call in, you can text in. You can 707-654-469. That's the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line. Those calls and texts will be coming up in segment number three. Segment number two, we'll talk about who is it that's got to be on their A game if the Raiders have a shot at being successful in 2023. That should be a fun conversation. Plus, here in segment number one, we like to do news and notes of the day, and we'll go ahead and jump right into it. And uh, the owners' meetings are going on in Minneapolis. There were some rule changes that went into effect as of Tuesday, and already talked about it on uh, on Tuesday's show. As a matter of fact, and said there was a good possibility that it was going to happen, but the fair catch on the kickoff that now results in the kickoff, if you fair catch it, you get the ball at the 25-yard line, no matter where you get it at. If you field it at the two-yard line and you fair catch it, you're going to get it at the 25. I said it on Tuesday. I was very, as a matter of fact, couldn't stand it. Didn't think that was a very good rule. Don't like the idea about it. Feel like it's taking a very exciting play out of the game. Not only that, it's taking a very good skill away from the the kicker. So a Daniel Carlson kicks the ball perfectly, puts it up there nice, high and tight, right? The ball lands around the two-yard line. Instead of forcing you to return the ball and see how you can do, and the kickoff coverage has an opportunity to go down there and get you and pin you deep, like what all defenses want to do. And really, uh, I've always been told that this first special teams play, the kickoff play, is really like the first defensive play uh, of the possession. Nick Saban says it all the time for Alabama. A lot of real successful programs, NFL, college, even high school programs, say that kickoff is like the first defensive play uh, of the series. And so we always want to see a a, a kickoff team, a kickoff unit, pin a a team back deep. Now it's not going to happen. If a Carlson kicks it off and say, I don't know, whoever is back there and wants to return it and they kick it at the, they get it at the two-yard line, they can call for a fair catch and they'll get it at the 25-yard line. I cannot stand it, but that's what the NFL uh, has agreed to do, and they're going to do it for at least the 2023 season. Uh, and then NFL executive Jeff Miller says that higher concussion rates on kickoffs and punts relative to other plays and says unprompted that there may be more to come, saying that the return rate, rate will drop from 38% to 31% and concussion rate drop, f- drop 15%. That's according to Jeff Miller. So they're basically siding on the side of, well, we're trying to stay uh, healthy. We're trying to keep the guys from getting concussions. And, you know, every single year, and I don't want to, make light of that. I don't want to act like, you know, uh, keeping a guy from getting a concussion is not a big deal because it is, but you're really taking a skill set away from the kicker and it's not going into effect for a punter just yet. But I mean, who's to say that that's not next? 
right? I mean, it's just, as far as I'm concerned, that's going to be the next step. And it's crazy. Multiple people hit me up and said, man, right when the Raiders look like they have a couple guys on their roster that can return a kick and take it to the house, now all of a sudden you have this, uh, you know, this fair catch rule. And that doesn't mean that a guy like a Trey Tucker cannot decide to return it anyway, but most likely you're going to see guys just decide that they're going to go ahead and call for that fair catch and get it at the 25-yard line. So at some point, I said it a lot last year when the Raiders uh, kickoff coverage unit wasn't very good, just kick the ball out of the end zone. At this point, they might as well just kick it out of the end zone. And who knows, at some point, depending on how this goes, they may just, after a possession, just say, all right, just take it at the 25, and that's how it goes. Again, not a big fan of it, but it's what they're doing. I uh, wanted to clarify some, some news on the, on the Thursday night flexing. That was actually something that was agreed upon on Tuesday with, uh, with or no, not on Tuesday, as a matter of fact, on, uh, on Monday. It was, uh, it was agreed upon, and I talked about it on Tuesday's show. Again, the Thursday night football games can only be flexed between weeks 13 and 17, and it has to have 28 days notice uh, required to be to let it be known. Like, okay, if you're going to flex a game, then you know that team has to know. Both teams have to know at least 28 days out, and there's only a few games that can be flexed out. Now, obviously, there's multiple teams and multiple games that can be flexed in, but as far as the games that are already scheduled on those Thursday nights that have the possibility of being flexed out, the Raiders are involved in one, and so that's what I was talking about when I said that one of their games can be uh, could be affected. And so I know a lot of people thought, well, no, Q, all their games could be affected. Well, not technically, because it's only weeks 13 through 17, first of all, and only one game they have scheduled right now. So that's what I really was talking about. That's that week 15 game, the Chargers and the Raiders. But the five games that can be affected, and what I mean by affected is flexed out of that position Week 13, Seahawks at the Cowboys. Week 14, Patriots at the Steelers. 15, as mentioned, Chargers at the Raiders. 16, Saints at Rams. And then week 17, the Jets at Browns. Again, those are the only weeks that that Thursday night football game can be flexed. I'm not a fan of it. Talked about it in uh, great detail on a Tuesday's show. Uh, the Raiders aren't big fans of it. Matter of fact, they, uh, they voted no against it, along with the Giants, the Jets, the Packers, the Bears, the Lions, the Bengals, and the Steelers. They all voted no. Obviously, it didn't matter. Uh, it's going to be flexed. And the one thing I will say, and Roger Goodell said it uh, on Tuesday, later on Tuesday at the owners meeting in Minneapolis, he said that the Thursday night football flex will be used judiciously, if at all. So clearly they're not looking to flex. And I think that that was a good statement, even though it was short and sweet. I think it was a good statement by Roger Goodell to say, basically, we're not looking. We don't want to flex any of the games, but there is a slight possibility. So when he said judiciously, if at all, it made me feel a little bit better, but you, you never know. I mean, you never know what one of these games you could look at and say, well, maybe the Seahawks aren't as good as they were. Well, the Cowboys are in that game, so they'll, they'll air that one. I'm not worried about that one being flexed. Patriots at Steelers, I'm assuming... One of those teams, if not both of them, will be pretty good. You know, and, and the Patriots, they'll probably keep them on Thursday night football. Chargers at Raiders, uh, I think that that one would stick anyway just because they're going to want to see Justin Herbert. And of course, it's the Chargers and Raiders. That's the AFC West battle right there. Uh, Saints at Rams, that may be one that they look at and they, they decide that they want to flex it if the Saints aren't very good, even though they have a very easy schedule, at least on paper in 2023. And who knows what the Rams, the Rams look like a team that's like, yuck. <laughs> right? They're a team that I wouldn't be surprised if they had a real piss-poor season just because of all the moves that they've had to make, all the guys that they've uh, traded away, and Matthew Stafford, who knows if he's going to be healthy or not. And then Week 17, Jets at the Browns. 
I expect the Browns to be better under, with Deshaun Watson in year two. And, of course, everyone expects the Jets to be good with Aaron Rodgers, even though uh, if you're paying attention to what's going on around the league and the OTAs right now, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Josina Anderson reported that he has a strained calf already for the Jets. So uh, he was standing out and, and sitting out of OTAs on Tuesday. But, again, it's only OTAs. There's obviously a long way to go before the actual season gets started. So I, I don't think that they'll flex, flex the Jets game as long as there's a healthy Aaron Rodgers in Week 17. Um, Saints and Rams, I see that week 16. If there's one that I'd pinpoint to say, okay, they'll probably flex this one out if the teams aren't where they need to be, it'd be that week 16. Again, week 15, at the very end of the day, you have Justin Herbert. And, of course, the league's been trying to to anoint Justin Herbert the, the second coming since he got into the league. And who knows what the Raiders are going to look like at that point. Patriots at Steelers, I could see the Steelers being a little bit better. But, you know, they're a storied franchise. The Patriots, I expect them to be better. Uh, maybe week 14 could be a flexible game, but the Seahawks and Cowboys week 13, I don't think that that's going to get flexed because the Cowboys and they want to have them on prime time as much as possible. So I don't expect that to happen. So really, it's probably only a couple games in there that I look at as really flexible games. One more little nugget I have for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day. The NFL sent out the email about the expansion of the NFL's global markets programs. What that is, 21 teams across 14 markets now have access to grow their fan bases around the world in long-term strategic effort to enable clubs to build their brands globally. Okay, so what does that mean? NFL clubs can apply for the rights to selected international markets by submitting proposals for the international committee to review each spring clubs are awarded the rights for at least a five-year term through the program during this period a club has the rights to pursue activities in that international market that are largely consistent with what they can do in their home market so all these uh, all these markets were awarded teams austria australia brazil canada china france germany ghana mexico new zealand republic of ireland spain switzerland united kingdom all those markets were uh, awarded teams and of course the silver and black they land in mexico and that makes a lot of sense right they've already played games in mexico city uh, of course they have a very big fan base there so it makes sense that they want to expand their their you know their look and their their marketing ability in mexico they're not the only team from mexico though the arizona cardinals the cowboys the broncos the texans the chiefs the rams the steelers and the 49ers all have a little bit of dibs in mexico along with the raiders but that again makes a whole lot of sense because well they have a very strong uh, fan base in mexico and have played games in mexico city so that's what i got for you for segment number one of today's locked on raiders podcast news and notes of the day coming up in segment number two for the raiders to have a chance at being successful in 2023 these guys must be on their a game we'll talk about that after i tell you about the title sponsor of the show which is fan duel and well the denver nuggets they punched their tickets to the final the miami heat they're playing with their food they allowed the boston celtics to get a victory on tuesday night i do expect miami to go ahead and seal the deal though coming up in game five so uh you know the nuggets are there and you know the heat will be there at some point but right now it's still a great time to make a fast break to fan duel during the nba playoffs right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's one thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win you can have uh you can have player props you can do same game parlays there's a lot of different angles and a lot of different ways you could bet on the totals you could bet on halves you could bet on quarters again player props bets all kind of different angles that you can bet on the nba playoffs and again there's no better place to bet on playoff action than america's number one sports book fanduel.com slash locked on that's where you need to go get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars again fanduel.com slash locked on FanDuel the official sports betting partner of the NBA 
your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, a subject that I mentioned earlier in the week that I wanted to get to at some point and thought, well, why not? If I'm feeling froggy, I might as well go ahead and leap, right? For the Raiders to have a chance of being successful in 2023, these guys must be on their A game. And again, right now, the roster's sitting there at 90, actually 91 players if you're talking about the international player. But you know, once training camp gets wrapped up, it'll be down to 53 men. You know the, the, the rookies that the Raiders drafted, uh, they went and drafted nine guys, six of them on the defensive side of things, but they're still rookies. So there's a lot of guys that I look at a- around the team and say, okay, that guy, he can really help out in this way. Like maybe a Jacorian Bennett, the fourth round pick, he can come up with some in- uh, interceptions, you know, as a cornerback uh, out of Maryland. Maybe he could be a big time selection. Michael Mayer, I think he's going to help out in the red zone. Like there's a lot of guys I look at that are on the Raiders right now on the on their roster. And I say, yeah, that guy can contribute. That guy can contribute. That guy can contribute and maybe help out the Raiders in their 2023 season as they're trying to, you know, not be a really bad team. And the thing about it is, like, the ESPN power rankings came out, and I talked to Seth, Seth Walder, who uh, he put that whole thing together, him and, uh, and Mike Clay. They do a really good job for ESPN on the analytics side of things. And they had the Raiders ranked last in the AFC West. They had them power ranked at number 20. They had the Denver Broncos at number 13 and that blows my mind every year it feels like Denver always gets a little bit extra bump and I'm thinking wait a minute how are the Broncos seven spots better than the silver and black is that the Sean Payton effect that can't just be Sean Payton because we saw Russell Wilson a year ago that did not look very good but that's what it was it is what it is the Raiders came in 20th the Broncos came in 13th the Chargers came in 7th and the Chiefs came in first, so that's not a big surprise there as far as the Chiefs and the Chargers go, but that's how it, it came out on the ESPN Power Rankings, so it just got me to thinking, like, okay, if the Raiders are going to have success in 2023 and go against the grain, and I believe 6.5 is their win total that is expected right now, I believe Caesars or FanDuel.com has put it out, about 6.5 uh, with total wins uh, for the season, and, you know, every year except for last year, they've gone over that win total, so I, I, it just, like I said, it got the wheels rolling on who is going to have to be really good players, who's going to have to step up in 2023 for the Raiders to have a good season that may shock some people. So as I came up with it, I came up with, well, really three, three categories of people. Let's put it like that. I, I, have, I have, technically I have like six guys, no, five guys, sorry, but it's really only three categories. So let's go ahead and, and break it on down. And I think the first one is obvious. Quarterback Jimmy G. Jimmy G has got to stay as healthy as possible, right? And I know that that's saying a whole lot. That's saying nothing, but it's saying a whole lot because, well, we all know that Jimmy G has a a history of being injury prone. So he's got to stay as healthy as possible. He's got to try to shake that stigma. And that's really, in my opinion, what the Raiders are banking on is that he's going to shake that and that it is a 49er quarterbacks get injured more often than not. And it's not really a Jimmy G thing. Me, I'm a little bit skeptical. I'll wait and, you know, believe it when I see it. But in my opinion, he's got to be on the field more than he's not. I'm thinking he's got to be on the field for the Raiders to have a chance of success he's got to play at least 13 or 14 games right really probably 14 games and maybe miss three max and I think that the worst he can do is 12 like no 13 and 4 13 and 4 and 12 and 5 that's how I put it like so so either 13 games played or 12 games played something like that like he's got to play the majority of the season preferably he plays all 17 but I'm not going to bank on that until I actually see it 
But Jimmy G, he knows Josh McDaniel's system. Like, I'm not worried about him picking up the offense. I'm not worried about if he's going to be able to get the ball to Devontae. I'm not worried about if he's able to get the ball to Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro and, you know, all the other weapons that they have. I'm not worried about any of that. My number one concern when it comes to Jimmy G, and it's been my number one concern even well before they even signed him as a free agent, is can he stay on the field more times than not? If there's one thing that D.C. was able to do, and I don't mean to bring up Derek Carr, but if there's one thing he was able to do is he was available. And that is such a big key. So as far as Jimmy G goes, as far as the Raiders having a chance of being successful, he's got to be on the field for 13 or 14 games. Bottom line, he's really got to be able to do that. And again, preferably 17 games. I don't have faith in Brian Hoyer, maybe one to two games, you know, with Brian Hoyer. And I sure don't have faith in Aiden O'Connell right now. Now, maybe later on in the season, if he, you know, was pushed into action, maybe he'll be ready by that point. But could you imagine coming out of the gates and, you know, like, like week three or four, they say, well, Jimmy goes down. Now what? Like you couldn't go to Aiden O'Connell in week three or four. You'd have to go to Brian Hoyer and then at some point hope that either Jimmy G comes back or Aiden O'Connell's ready to step up into that role. So first and foremost, Jimmy G has got to stay as healthy as possible. 13 or 14 games he needs to be a part of. Second of all, and this is where I say this is kind of like a category of guys. This is not just one individual, but I'm looking at the defensive line, and in particular, the guys that get after the quarterback. I'm looking at Max Crosby, Tyree Wilson, and Chandler Jones. And I know right now you're saying, wait, hold on, Q, you're cheating. You're, you're, you're making everybody essential. No, 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 because I'm going to narrow it down. I'm going to break it down to what I mean. Crosby, Tyree Wilson, and Chandler Jones, I look at those guys as a unit. We all know that the pressure on the quarterback has got to be a lot better than it has been in past years. We know Max Crosby is going to give everything he's got every single down he's out there. Tyree Wilson is a rookie, so I don't expect him to go and get double-digit sacks. I think that that's asking a whole lot. Plus, you know, he's got to be healthy to start the season as well. Chandler Jones has got to be better than he was in 2022. It's just that simple. So when I break down these three players, these three defensive linemen, these three guys that are going to be uh, tasked with getting after the quarterback, Crosby and Tyree Wilson having that big, long, uh, you know, uh, wingspan that they have. I think that that's really going to help them in a major way. I look at Crosby and think his production in 2023 needs to be anywhere from 12 to 15 sacks. 12 to 15 for Max Crosby. He had 12 and a half last season. I don't think that that's too much of an ask. Tyree Wilson, the rookie, anywhere from five to seven. And I think that that's a, that's a good amount, right? Remember, Khalil Mack, his rookie year, only had four sacks. So I'm looking at Tyree Wilson. If he can get five to seven sacks his rookie year, he's off to a fantastic start. Max Crosby had 10 sacks his rookie year. So it's not like it's, it's impossible. It's not easy, but if it was easy, we all would do it, right? And obviously we can't. Tyree Wilson was a first-round pick, number seven overall. The expectations are he's going to be able to go in there, learn how to get after the pass rusher or pass passer uh, as a pass rusher. He's a guy that's very raw, but he has a, a lot of athletic ability. And as long as he can learn some technique and work with Crosby and Chandler Jones, I think it only help grow him. So I'm looking at five to seven sacks for Tyree Wilson. And then Chandler Jones, as I mentioned, he's got to be better than he was in 2022. How many sacks did he have in, in 2022? What, four? I think he had. I don't, I don't know the exact number, but I think he had four. I'm looking at anywhere from five to eight. I think that that should be something expected. I don't expect double digits from him. I don't think he's a double digit guy anymore, right? I don't think he's all of a sudden going to find the fountain of youth and come up with 10 to 15 sacks. I think that'd be asking too much. So I'm not trying to be greedy. So I'm looking at Chandler Jones, five to eight. So if you're doing the math and you do the, 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 the bare minimum that I have for each three of these guys, that'd be 12 for Max, five for Tyree, five for Chandler Jones. You do the math on that. That would be what? That's uh, 12. That's 12, 22. 
There you go. That's 22 sacks right there between the three. Obviously, my math is a little slower than your math is. But if you get the maximum out of those guys, you got 15, you got seven, and you got eight. So that's that's 30 right there. So anywhere from 22 to 30 sacks for those three guys. I think that that should be a realistic expectation, a realistic goal from those three guys. If they can combine for anywhere from 22 to 30, preferably closer to 30 sacks, then I think that the Raiders have a chance because that will help create turnovers as well. And obviously turnovers is something that the Raiders have not done a very good job. They were last in the league in 2022 in turnovers. They've got to be able to create more turnovers. So if you're getting to the quarterback successfully close to 30 times between those three guys, then you figure that there's a few guys from the uh, defensive tackle position that will probably get to the quarterback. Maybe a corner blitz or two that will get to the quarterback. A linebacker or two will get to the quarterback. Now, all of a sudden, you're up there. You're Okay, you're close to you know, maybe 40, 45 sacks as a team. Now you're feeling good. Maybe not 45. That might be a little high. But, I mean, think about it. The Philadelphia Eagles, how many did they have last year on their way to the Super Bowl? 70. That's, that's a whole lot. I'm not expecting the Raiders to, to be pushing 70 sacks. That would be asking them to go from the penthouse or the outhouse to the penthouse. I'm not expecting that, right? I'm not expecting that overnight success. But if those three dudes right there can get anywhere from 22 to 30 sacks, now I think that they're in really good position to help out that defense in a major way. And again, you can't just rely on all the rookie defensive players that the Raiders uh, drafted to just go ahead and excel and all of a sudden be those dudes, right? Because again, they have to learn the game. Some of them won't get on the field immediately. Some of them will get on the field immediately. And you just hope that the game doesn't go too fast for them and they're able to figure things out sooner rather than later. So Jimmy G was first. Crosby, Wilson, and Chandler Jones, that was a a, a trio that goes together. That's number two. And number three, and probably most importantly of all, head coach Josh McDaniels. Head coach Josh McDaniels has got to be a better version of himself, better version than he was in 2022. He's got to put the team in position to succeed. He's brought in a lot of his own players, so there should be no, well, he doesn't get what I want to do. Jacoby Myers was just on NFL Total Access. He said Josh McDaniels will give you the answers to the test, you just got to go and take advantage. He said, there's a reason I picked coming to Las Vegas. I'm excited to work with Josh McDaniels. Okay, so give the answers to the test to the team. Put yourself, put them in a position to succeed, right? Maximize Jimmy G's best abilities, right? Make sure that the red zone is more efficient. Less field goals, more touchdowns. Make sure the offense is clicking and doing what you want to do. Utilize your rookie and Michael Mayer the way that you want to. You know, people are calling him Little Gronk. He's been called Little Gronk. That's high expectations. Gronk's a Hall of Famer, so I wouldn't do that to him. But he's a second-round pick that a lot of people thought was a first-round pick. Use him like that, right? Get, get the most out of him as a blocker and a receiver, which is what he wants, right? All of these other players that have had success with the Raiders are in different locations now. Right, So now Josh McDaniels has the core team that is his guys. All right, you got your guys. You turned over the roster. There's probably still some more tweaking that he's going to do. But for the most part, you got who you want. Now go out there and cook. You, you bought the groceries. Go fix the dinner. Show that you're, a, you're more than an offensive coordinator. Show that you're an actual head coach. Because right now we know he's a good offensive coordinator. He's shown that. Years on top of years on top of years of success as offensive coordinator. But that doesn't mean that every offensive coordinator that's really good is a really good head coach. He has to go show that, right? The Raiders won six games last year. They lost a lot of one-score games. He's got to find a way to win the majority of those one-score games or the ones that they're leading, not give up the lead in the second half or late in games. Like, you got to find a way to, to, to hold on to those leads and, and get the Raiders some victories. I mean, it's very easily, the Raiders could have had nine or ten wins his first year with the team, but 
they blew it. They blew it in a lot of games, right? And, and unfortunately, here on the show, we had to talk about it. And it's not fun, but it was what it was. So the bar is already low. Now he's got to go and show, yeah, I can do this. I can be that head coach. Mark Davis has given him the seal of uh, approval. He's given him the two thumbs up. He's given GM Dave Ziegler the two thumbs up. Now go out there and reward the owner, uh, having confidence in and having his back. Go out there and, and show it. Go out there and reward the, the team and put them in position to succeed. And more importantly, Reward the fan base for all the faithfulness, for all the loyalty, for all the, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, maybe in the parking lot or at the sports bar or wherever. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm telling you, man, Raider Nation goes so hard in the paint. You know, have the team reward the fan base for all their faithfulness. So those are the three that I think are most important for the Raiders to succeed in 2023. Quarterback Jimmy G, Crosby, Tyree Wilson, and Chandler Jones as a unit, and head coach Josh McDaniels. What's on your mind? What do you think? 707-654-4693. 707-654-4693. Calls and texts are coming up next as we close out the show. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Calls and texts off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. 707-654-4693. Went a little long there in segment number two. Thought it was good stuff, but went a little bit long there, so it's not going to be able to get to as many calls and texts as I'd like to, but let's go ahead and jump right into it. Let's start off with a text from Raiders fan in San Diego. It says, hey Q, I hope you and the family are doing well. I'd like to take a moment and address the nation concerning jersey numbers. There are 91 players currently on the roster. There are 100 available numbers for jerseys. Do the math. Numbers will get reused during this time. Get over it. To answer your question from your radio show, my favorite jersey number is 99, worn by the great one, Wayne Gretzky. By the way, that's also the coolest nickname in sports history. As always, Raider Nation for life, signed Raider fan in San Diego. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's just not a, a big allotment of numbers when you have that many guys on the roster. But of course, it's just a few numbers that really trigger fans and it's funny as I've mentioned it and that was a great text that you sent in but as I've mentioned it when guys like Jonathan Abram were awarded number 24 even Michael Huff when he was given number 24 and you know other guys that have rocked that number Marshawn Lynch when he rocked it like nobody was saying yeah that's that's C. Woods number that's Willie Brown you can't give that up or 32 how many guys have rocked 32 and nobody was like oh man that's Marcus Allen's number you can't give that up but it's something about that number four again a lot of people only only guy they recognize ever as the Raiders quarterback for the last nine years obviously was Derek Carr so they see that number four jersey and they see Aiden O'Connell uh, rocking that number and they're like wait a minute the, the team is trying to replace Carr already look Carr's rocking four in, in New Orleans and Aiden O'Connell's rocking four in Vegas it's just as simple as that that's how it goes again I'm not going to tell you how to feel about seeing a number your favorite number or your favorite quarterback's number on another player I'm not going to tell you how to feel about that that's on you but the reality of it is it's a business and they're not worried about who used to wear that number they're worried about who wears that number currently so uh, thank you for that text again i do appreciate you up next got a call from raider x he's calling to talk about the new kickoff rule and please believe he's not a fan of it here he is raider x hey q this is raider x i want to talk about this funny business on this kickoff rule i think this is an ultimate joke it is a funny 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 business you know it just seems like this game is getting softer and softer and softer with all the different rules there are so many different rules that they probably could implement that probably make some things safer or change some of the philosophies to help the guys out on certain plays. But that one, I mean, it takes away the whole excitement. And then also, 
all this conversation we just got done about the late round draft picks, what goes a month of the worth of all these third and fourth rounders that we talk about on with? And maybe they won't get on the field, but they'll give a lot of value to the special teams. Well, what value is that now? Because most of the value is stopping these guys from getting to the 25 or the 30-yard line. But now, you know, why even return it? You know, the average, I think the average return was only 24 yards. Why don't they just sit down and go to the 25 yards and let's just get the ball on? Or forget about even kickoffs. It, it, it's just getting kind of out of hand. Uh, there's so many other plays, like holding. You can call holding on every single offensive line play, you know, and then they go over 10 yards. That's BS. Oh, I want to hear your, your feedback. Hopefully it's a great topic. Uh, Raider X out. Thanks for the call, my man. I can't stand the rule either. <laughs> it's that simple. I think it's dumb. I started the whole radio show on Tuesday making a big deal about it. Right, spoke on it in segment number one. Uh, they're taking an exciting play out of the game. They're taking a great skill away from the kickers. And you know, like you said, it might as well just take the ball to twenty-five at some point, right? Never even have a chance to kick off. Why? Why bother? I mean, and look again. I know that they're erring on the side of trying to be safe. Like that's the number one thing. Of course, there's a massive lawsuit against the NFL when it comes to concussions. So I mean, I get it. I get it. I just, I just don't like it. And I'm sure guys like Daniel Carlson don't like it. I'm sure guys like A.J. Cole don't like it. You know, big-time kickers. And, look, the Raiders, they even, you know, they even found a way to, to uh, you know, kind of go around or they found a little uh, loophole in the rule last year. Remember when they would actually hold the ball on the tee and they'd be able to kick it up really high and they just kind of found a way to, okay, allow their kickoff covers team to get down the field. And then that's when the NFL changed the rule. Like, yeah, you can't do that anymore, right? You found too much success in that. We don't want you to do that. And they, they changed that but I remember asking Josh McDaniels about it like well what made you guys start doing that he's like well we found a loophole in the rules that said basically we could do that so we're going to do it until they tell us we can't and uh, it wasn't too long after that that they said yeah you can't do that so uh, who knows at some point you know the kickoff may be gone completely from the game and you know some of us will be upset about it some of us you know the old guys get off our lawn type dudes will be upset about it others that really haven't fallen in love with the play because they haven't seen a ton of great returners anyway won't even worry about it. So thank you so much, Raider X, for that call. I do appreciate you. Next up, I got a text from North Logan Raider. He says, hey, Q, I want to respond. I want to respond on Monday's show about the numbers. I've been a fan for a while, and it really doesn't bother me so much that O'Connell has number four. I think the biggest frustration is uh, JJ having eight, and we have bought 28 in the past. But to me, it's all good. The players can get whatever numbers they want. That's a text from North Logan Raider. And, yeah, I'm kind of... I'm kind of with you, man. And, and look, the Josh Jacobs wearing number eight, that's something that we've heard about anyway. Uh, he wanted to do last year, and he didn't do it. So, I mean, it kind of is what it is at this point. Uh, the question I have when it comes to Josh Jacobs is how long will he be with the Raiders wearing that number eight? That's probably my biggest question. Uh, I believe he'll be with the Silver and Black this year. I'm hoping they get a long-term deal done, but none of that is guaranteed. Uh, he, they have till July 15th to get that long-term deal uh, worked out. And if not, he'll be on the one-year $10 million franchise tag. Thank you for that text. I do appreciate you. Next up, just got time for a couple more. Got a call from 360 Raider. He's calling to talk about the new kickoff rule and has a question about it as well. Here he is, 360 Raider. What's up, Q? 360 Raider. I'm just going to comment on the podcast. I just got done listening to uh, today's Tuesday. Uh, on that rule that the competition committee is going over about the fair catch, if it applies to punts, that's an absolutely horrible thing. Can you imagine Ray Guy, probably the best, well, obviously, the best punter in history? One of the things he was really, really good at was directional kicking, tossing corner stuff. He could pin 
an opponent inside the 10, inside the 5. He was amazing. And this rule will essentially take that away from teams. They won't have that option. Again, that is if this applies to punts. Uh, but I've never seen anybody fair catch a kickoff. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, uh, one other thing uh, about players' numbers. Uh, yeah, the Raiders don't retire numbers. We all know that. And the, the idea behind it is to inspire greatness in, in the player. Uh, you know, they can remember, you know, the player that wore it before them. Try to inspire them. Uh, the number 21, Namdi Asimwa, that's what you came up with, Namdi? Yeah, I love the guy, but come on, man, Chris Branch. Anyway, just bust your chops a little there. Have a good one, everyone. Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. No, the rule is just for kickoffs as of right now. But who knows? I mean, it may at some point extend to punts. Uh, we know that they do that in uh, what they do that in uh, in high school. They do that right now. Uh, I believe college. It's such a college rule that they're doing right now with the kickoffs and 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 being able to fair catch it and take the ball to twenty five. I I just I can't stand it. But uh, right now, it is just on the kickoffs is not on the punts. So uh, I mentioned A.J. Cole earlier. He won't be directly infected unless he starts kicking the ball off. And, of course, he has that skill set he can as well. As far as the numbers go, yes, uh, Cliff Branch, obviously, greatness in number 21. Unfortunately for me, I wasn't invested in the Raiders enough to see the greatness of Cliff Branch when he was alive and he was playing. Uh, when the last time the Raiders won a, 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 a championship, I was seven, so I definitely wasn't invested in the silver and black like that. So I didn't get to see the greatness of Cliff Branch, and that's why I mentioned before, numbers mean something to different people. So when I see 21, especially from a defensive back's point of view, because I always say DBs win games, and that's my uh, favorite position in football is defensive back, and, and even though it was only for a brief uh, you know, brief cup of coffee, uh, I, that's the position I played was a defensive back. When I see 21, I think Namdi Asamoah. When I see 21, I think Deion Sanders. When I see 21, I think of you insert Eric Allen. You, you know what I mean? Like, I see defensive backs when I see number 21 because, well, it's a defensive back number. Even guys like Garyon Conley had 21. Amik Robertson are, is rocking 21 right now. So when I see 21, I immediately think of defensive backs. And when I'm thinking of the Raiders and defensive backs in 21, I'm thinking of Namdi first and then Eric Allen second. And I was a big fan and still am a big fan of Eric Allen. But, I mean, Namdi was the most recent to be the most successful in that number 21. So that's that's for me, but I get it. Cliff Branch and, you know, look, I was blessed to be at the Hall of Fame uh, enshrinement for Cliff Branch and was there with his family, was there with the whole uh, Raider family, was there at the at the party that Mark Davis threw for him, uh, had Diana Ross performing. That was Cliff Branch's favorite artist. I even had the pillow in my office uh, at the house. Cliff Branch. It's a, it's a pillow from the actual party that is basically looks like a Cliff Branch jersey. It says Branch and 21 on the back. So I get it. I'm there with you. I just unfortunately didn't get to see the greatness of Cliff Branch. And that's, you know, like I said, that's unfortunate for me. But numbers mean something to everybody. So that's why I said that when it came to 21. But thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. We'll go ahead and run a little long here and get one more quick text in. This one's from Michael in Buffalo. Hey, Q. Michael from Buffalo here. A couple of thoughts. 
Uh, not a fan of the Thursday night flex. One thing you said, though, is wrong. You had stated that the Raiders are only potentially affected by one game for that, but the Raiders could flex into a Thursday night game from a Sunday game as well. This is an issue. I myself am coming out for the Vikings game, as I'm sure many others are. What if they change a the game from Sunday to Thursday? It could cause a lot of problems uh, for folks. On the number issue, I think people are just upset at the timing of number four being given out. Yes, the Raiders do not retire numbers, but none of those numbers you discussed, 24, 32, 34, 75, 81, were given out the year after the player left the team. I'm excited to see this draft class and free agent class in action. Think the powers that me made some good decisions. Maybe I'll see you at the torch in December. That's Michael and Buffalo. And we'll talk about the numbers first. I'm not 100% sure of that. I'm not sure. I don't know if you know that for a fact that 24, 32, 34, 75, 81 were given out after the player left the team. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, if you're uh, like spot on uh, correct, like you, you can you can like verify that. Cool. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, I don't know. I know Michael Huff received 24 pretty quickly after Seawood uh, wasn't around. Um, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I would be I'd be guesstimating if I said that that number, those numbers didn't weren't given out the very next year. Uh, I don't think that number four was given out just to rub salt in any Derek Carr fans wounds. I think they just gave out number four because Aiden O'Connell wanted number four after he got denied number nine because Tyree Wilson, a defensive end, decided that's the number that he wanted to rock. Uh, as far as the Thursday night flex, yeah, you're right. And that's why I clarified in segment number one or 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 made, you know, to the, the, the comment in segment number one that the only game that can be affected of the Raiders that they're scheduled in on the Thursday night football game is that week 15. So, no, you're right. Any game between week 13 and week 17 for the Raiders could be flexed into those that Thursday night slot. But the only one that could be potentially moved out of that slot is week 15. So that's how I should have said it, is that it could be moved out. But the good thing is that Raider Nation is there to catch me and let me know about it. So thank you so much for that, Michael. I appreciate you. And yeah, maybe uh, I'll see you at the torch there in December. Uh, that'd be cool. Allegiant Stadium is always fun. If you get to the stadium, make sure you check it out. Get there early and check it out. So uh, again, Michael, thank you so much for that text. And that's going to do it. That's all I got time for on today's show. Went a little bit longer than was supposed to. My man Ari is going to send me a dirty message later. And when I mean dirty, be like, Q, Q. Check out the time. I'm tired of messing with you, Q. Check out the time. So sorry, Ari, but I do appreciate you helping me out and making it work, and I do appreciate everything Ari does to make sure we're up on YouTube each and every day. So until tomorrow, Raider Nation, uh, take care of yourself, take care of your family, love on your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby.